So here's what I want you to do as we begin today. I want you to look around at one another's feet or one another's shoes and see if you see anybody wearing a pair of Nike sneakers today. Anybody wearing Nikes today? Anybody wearing that? Oh, I see one hand up. Anybody on this side wearing Nikes today? How many of you own a pair of Nike shoes? Okay, number of hands going up. Nicely done. I am wearing Nike shoes today, and there's a reason for that. Normally, I don't wear Nike shoes. This is the only pair I have um, that I'm wearing. I'll tell you about that because my first pair were actually hand-me-downs from my, one of my older brothers. And I remember when I got those shoes because I'd seen him wearing them, right? And I thought, oh, when I got those Nike hand-me-downs, I thought, I am so cool. And I also believe that I could run even faster than I already could, neither of which were true. I wasn't any cooler and I wasn't any faster, but I felt like it because that was there. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Nike doesn't make just shoes. Have you noticed that? Maybe you have a pair, like I have a couple polos in my uh, shirts in my closet that are Nike. And uh, they make uh, all kinds of, of apparel that you can wear. Besides shoes, they make uh, footballs and basketballs. And I thought to myself, how do you guys know to make a football, let alone a golf ball, or all the other sporting equipment that they make and, and golf clubs and everything? I, it just blows me away that they would actually do that. But the point is, is when I said, do you have Nike? You weren't going, I don't even know what that is. We all know that term. We all know the shoe. We've seen it. We've known it. Maybe we've owned a pair of shoes the pair of shoes that I'm wearing today actually was given by the same brother on May 28th, 2011. You're like, man, Bill, why do you keep track of things like this? Well, it's because I was in Indianapolis for the 100th anniversary of the Indy 500. And I went with my two brothers, and uh, my middle brother was wearing these shoes, not this pair. He wasn't going to hand me over his. But I had a knock at my door in the hotel on that Saturday evening before the race was next day, and he knocks on the door. I'm like, what is going on? He opens and goes, here you go, buddy. And he'd gone out and bought me the same pair of shoes because I said, I really like those shoes. Where'd you get those shoes? And him being him, he just kind of had fun with that, and I didn't know. So yes, I've had these for a while. But again, you know this term, you know this, this, this idea of Nike, but some of us don't know the meaning of the word. In fact, I would suspect if you were to go into a shoe store of a Nike sales clerk and say, do you know what this word means? They might get just what you gave me, silence, right? Furthermore, even fewer people would actually even know that this word is in the Bible. Seriously, you'll find this word in the Bible. We're going to look at it today. It's actually a different phrasing of how it's said. It's, 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 we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but... It's actually in scripture, and I'm not here to endorse Nike, just to be clear. And if there were kids in the shop, I'm not saying that, Mom, it's biblical. you got to buy me a pair of Nikes, all right? So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's a word. And we're going to find this word today as we continue our series, and we know in 1 John. We've been going through this, and uh, we're going to encounter this word, Nike, as you'll see. We'll also encounter another word. I think of it as its cousin. Uh, similar to the word Nike, a word that has significant meaning for us as Christ followers, not only for what's ahead, in other words, our eternal future, but also for our immediate future, as in today, as in this week, as you live your life. So with that, I invite you to take your Bible and open up to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 as we go through and continue this journey through the book of 1 John. So 1 John chapter 5, 
Verses 1 through 5 is where we are. You can have your Bible if you have it on a digital device or in our app with the sermon notes. That works for me too. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to cover verses 1 to 5. Hopefully you're there. John writes this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? God, Lord, thank you for your word. We, we prayed before, but Lord, we just want to pray and pause again. Thank you for this truth. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, you would illuminate it for us today. God, you give us ears to hear today. God, you've given us so much in a relationship that's personal by faith because of what you did on the crosses. We'll be remembering that through communion today. That allows us to even have this concept, this possibility, this truth this reality that, Lord, we can overcome the world. So, God, guide us through this time as we look into your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you have your Bible open and you're still looking at it, instead of looking at me, that's where you want to direct your eyes at this point. Do you have a subtitle above chapter 5, verses 1 through 5? Do you have a subtitle? And if you do, shout it out if you see it there. I heard multiple sayings. Okay, obedience and faith. Anybody else have anything else? Overcoming the world. So if you look at the top of your sermon notes, you go, oh, I see where Bill got his sermon title for this week. Okay, overcoming the world. That's at the subtitle. The reason why that's there is because that is John's focus in these five verses. There's other things he's going to talk about, but there's a focus that he has here about overcoming the world. And we're going to look at that and understand that hopefully a little bit better today. But before I can give attention to John's focus, I want you to think of it as we got to lay a foundation. We've got to understand what he is saying before we look into what he is saying about overcoming the world. A foundation, if you will. And so I want to use this analogy of having this in place. So I'm guessing, I can't see all your shoes, a few of them, but I'm guessing every pair of shoes that is in this building right now has a soul. S-O-L-E. Yes, we also have it S-O-U-L, but we, you probably have a soul in your shoe, right? We all have that. Think of that as the foundation. If you don't have that, I don't think you have a shoe, okay? So that has to be the foundation that is there. It's necessary for the shoe to function. Make sense? We follow that, right? Okay. Okay. The foundation of the sole of the shoe is found in verse 1 and verse 4 of this text. And it is the phrase, born of God. John says that in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been what? Born of God. Verse 4. For everyone who has been born of what? God. So the foundation is here. He's repeating it in verse 4. But it's key. Just like the sole of your, your shoe, Nike or not. 
You have to have a foundation, and that's what he's laying out here. Born of God, why is this important? It is necessary for overcoming the world. So before we can turn our focus on what John is writing about, we have to make sure we have the right foundation. We have to have the soles of our feet, if you will, the soles of our shoes in place. And that is, whoever is born of God is necessary for overcoming the world. The question then that came in my mind is this. Who is born of God? Who is born of God? Well, John answers it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Look at back at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. There it is. And he repeats it again throughout this text. So who is born of God? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. It's the foundation before we can look at overcoming the world, we have to have this foundation in place. In other words, you have to receive Jesus personally as your Savior, admit your sin, put your faith and trust in him by the grace of God that he saves you. That's the starting line, if you will. That has to be in place before you can take a step towards overcoming the world. And what's interesting to me is, I, I love this text, this came to my mind in Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 20. Jesus is with his disciples, John is there, and Peter's there, but those are the two that I just want to think about here in this moment. Verse 18 of Luke chapter 9 says, now it happened that as he was praying, this is Jesus, as he's praying alone, the disciples were with him. And Jesus asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? Very important question. Verse 19. And they, the disciples, answered, John the Baptist. And then another one probably pipes up and says, but others say Elijah. Another one probably of the disciples pops up and says, others, the, the, the one of the prophets of, the, of old has risen. Then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter responds this way, the Christ of God. In other words, who is it that is born of God? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's our Savior. That is central and that is key. So with that in mind, so John is affirming here what Peter spoke and confirmed and Jesus recognized and they said, who do you say I am? You are the Christ. So John affirms who is born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Now, here's where it gets interesting to me as I studied the text. So one of the things that pastors will do typically is they'll go back to the original language. The Bible was written in the New Testament, was written in Greek. So I went back to my Greek studies and I started looking at this word born. And the Greek word for born is genoa. Genoa. And if you think about genoa, it kind of reminds me of Genesis, like a beginning, right? Genoa. Now, here's where I want to dive into this and kind of get Greeky. Now, I know that's probably not a word, but it's used by me today, and you don't need to uh, repeat it, but you get the idea. In the Greek, this is a verb, being born. And the tense is a perfect tense. What is, why does that matter? And why am I stopping to make sure we grasp this? Well, the minor reason is because once upon a time I was in seminary and in Greek class, I think it was introduction to exegesis, and the professor asked, as we came upon a verse that had a verb that was in the aorist tense of past tense, 
He said, what's the significance of the heiress tense? Silence across the classroom. And I thought, I think I know the answer to this. Yes, Bill. Uh, nothing. That's right. It is nothing. Which tells us when it's something else, we should pay attention. And that's what we have here. Born of God, Janelo is a perfect tense. Why does that matter? It is an action completed in the past which produces a state of being. An action that took place in the past that puts you in a state of being. In other words, when you received Christ as your Savior, that was an action, a perfect action that was done and it was completed and done and you are now in a state of being forever. So if you've ever wondered, oh man, I don't know if I'm saved. Well, I would say, well, do, can you look back at your life and go, was there a day, was there a time where you placed your faith in Christ as your Savior and asked forgiveness of your sins? Did you do that? Yes, I did. And you meant it. Yes, I did. Well, then according to the perfect tense of this word, that means that action is completed in the past and you are in a state of being, of being born of God forever. The second I want to bring out to this, of this word born, and being born of God, this Greek word genoa, is it's a passive. In other terms, a lot of times we'll have active, but this is actually passive. But even more, it's known as the divine passive. And you're thinking, why does this matter? Let me tell you why this matters. Divine passive is God is the divine agent. And we're the recipients of what he's given to us. So keep this in mind. God is the agent. He is the one who does the what? The saving. He's the one who allows you to be born again. He's the agent. It is not you doing the work. You are not the agent of saving yourself. You can't do that. Only he can do that. So it's this perfect work, happened once, state of being forever, that God is the agent doing all this work, and you're the recipient of it by faith. And the cross of what Jesus died on for your sins and for mine. So this is the foundation. This foundation in place, the sole of our shoe, if you will. We need to complete it so we can wear it. Okay, we need to move forward with this analogy and move forward with the text here. John tells us how. In verses 1 through 3, the second part of verse 1, John writes, Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. So, the question that came to my mind is, how does one born of God live? We understand the foundation. We understand the, the, the words going on here in the original meaning and how significant that is for us. Now, how do you live this? How does this look in your life? Well, John answers this, and he gives us three characteristics of one who is born of God, which again, the one who is born of God is the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, right? Well, three characteristics. One is one born of God loves the Father. One born of God loves the Father. That's what he's saying here in the text we just looked at. Love, agapao, we know the word agape. And again, I go Greeky on us, okay? This is a present tense. And why that's significant is that the idea the author John is trying to say here is you're going to continue to love the Father. 
This wasn't something that you once did. If you think about maybe the food or something that you used to love. Oh, I used to love that. But you don't as much now. That's a past tense. Well, this is a present tense and saying, hey, I'm to continually as a continual. In other words, I never complete this. I never cross the finish line saying, I finally loved God. This is an ongoing present tense action. That's what we're saying here. One born of God loves the Father, and it continues on. Secondly, action or characteristic, who is one born of God live? One born of God loves the Father's children. He loves the Father's children. And if you're taking notes, great. I want you to make a parentheses and a parentheses. Is that what they are? Maybe it's this way and this way is to you. And that would be all of them. That is, every believer, you don't get to choose who God chooses, and I don't get to choose him. But God instructs me, as I live out being born of God, that I'm to love others. That's what John is saying here, right? That I love, when we love God and obey his commandments, that we love the children of God. That's all of them. That is the church. That is capital C church. That means the church, universal church, uh, the, the, all the people that follow Christ as their Savior. And then the other characteristic of one who is born of God, how do they live? One born of God obeys his commandments. They obey his commands. They obey what God's word says. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's black and white. If you love me, which you're continuing to do, it's always to be a present tense, then you will keep my commandments. So let me step back into our Nike shoe analogy for a moment. Think of loving the Father as the leather of the shoe that's sewn to the soul, which is the foundation, right, of being born of God. So think of that as loving the Father. It's part of that shoe. It's the leather sewn to the soul of the shoe. It's fixed there. Think of loving God's children or the Father's children as the tongue of the shoe that's sewn to the leather which is sewn to the soul and then think of the laces as obeying his commandments as the laces securing everything so that you can actually wear the shoe so we have the foundation in place you all have a sole of your shoe you've got leather or something coming around that that's love for the father you've got a tongue which is part of that shoe that goes over that kind of tender part if you will that's loving the children of God. That's his instruction. And then the laces lace it up. Like, how are we supposed to keep this all here? We follow what God's word tells us to do. And it's when that is in the complete setting, we are actually able to take steps forward and run the race that God's marked out for us and set out before us. So, before we get to John's focus of overcoming the world, I'm going to do what John does. In case you noticed... He's very repetitive. He kind of reminds me of Dr. Seuss, and I can't always keep track with Dr. Seuss, but I did my best. What's the review here? We have our foundation in place. Being born of God means that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. He repeats that in this text. And one born of God loves the Father, loves the children, and keeps his commandments. So with that in mind, when you're born of God, here's a point you are empowered and enabled to overcome the world. 
You are empowered and enabled to overcome the world. So you see what we've done. We've set up the foundation. We understand how we're supposed to live. Now we can actually go to this focus to be able to overcome the world. So look at verses four and five. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So we have this being repeated again, and this is our understanding as we look at this. So let's make sure that we unpack this idea of overcoming the world. John's focus in these verses. So let's go back to our Greek for a moment. This will be the final Greek of the day, students, okay? Overcome. It could be pronounced nikao or nikeo. Sounding a little bit familiar like a certain other word we were looking? It should because the other word victory is nike. Or it's nike. So we're looking at these words. Now you can see where this thought came into my mind with the shoe company. Is we are designed to overcome nikao or nikeo. Victory, Nike or Nike. But just like in the Nike world, few people know that meaning. <laughs> they might have heard, that, oh, I heard that Nike is like it's some goddess of victory, like some Greek god. That's true. That's what the connection is. But John is using it here for something so much better, and that's actually true. It is a god who can be known and that he is the one who provides this ability to overcome through victory through his son. So, let's look at the defining these words. Overcomes, what are we talking about here? To succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty. To defeat, to prevail. That's the meaning of overcome. Victory, it's a noun. It's a successful ending of a struggle or military contest. It means to conquer. And then the word world, what is John referring to here? It's cosmos, that's the Greek word. Oh, sorry, I threw in one more Greek word, sorry. Uh, it is world system. Okay, it's the world system. In other words, it's the values, it's the beliefs, it's the morals that are in rebellion against God. So understanding our foundation, how it all fits together in the shoe, the analogy that we could actually overcome the world, overcome to succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, to have victory, success in any struggle or military, to conquer the world system that Satan throws at us, the beliefs, the value system, the rebellion that is against God. Like, we could actually overcome that in this fallen world? Yes. That's what John is communicating here. Look at what John is telling you. If you're born of God, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you'll love the Father, you'll love His children, and you'll obey His commands. Sounds repetitive, doesn't it? Because John is repeating it. I'm repeating it. It's simple, but it's one of those things to actually carry out and do. It takes a little bit. Well, we'll talk about what it takes a little bit of. John gives us the answer of, of this question. Is keeping and obeying God's commands burdensome? Because that's part of it. It's a thing that he brings out here. And His commandments are what? Not burdensome. So if you're taking a test, to check the word no. Are they burdensome? No. John's telling us that. He says here, 
and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, as I thought about that, I thought to myself, <laughs> there's a few verses that I felt a little burdened by. By that I mean they're not always easy to obey. And my tendency might be to kind of just like, you know what, I'm going to not do that today. I don't know that I, you know. So why are they not burdensome? Why does John say that? Well, there are lots of reasons, but let me just give you three through Scripture. Why is God's commands not burdensome? One reason is this. God's commands are actually blessings. God's commands are actually blessings. Psalm 112.1 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Not burdened, blessed. In other words, as you obey his commandments, you discover actually there is blessings to my life when I obey as opposed to when I don't and consequences that are negative upon my life. I've looked at people's lives as a pastor through students and through other people that I've interacted with through the years and seen when, as I've seen from myself in the mirror, when they've chosen to not go God's way. And they've missed out on the blessings that God wants to give them. That's one reason why they're not burdensome. Why else? God's commands are actually sustainable. They're actually sustainable. You know, I put down the word, they're actually doable. You could actually do these. Look, Jesus said in Matthew eleven thirty, 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's an agricultural analogy there that they would have understood. The yoke is easy, my burden is light. In other words, what I'm asking you to do when Jesus says, if you let me obey my commands, I'm not asking you to do something that you can't possibly do. I want you to succeed in these. I want you to do this. You can do this. And thirdly, God's commands are actually freeing. They actually free you up to live. John 8, 32, Jesus said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. As I think about the truth and having this freedom, John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy to steal any belief, if you will, that, oh, God's word's not burdensome. To kill any thought that says, I'm going to obey God's word. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's what Satan's here to do. But I have come that you may have life and have what? Have it abundantly. Have it abundantly. He wants to actually, with his commands, free you up to really live the abundant life. So we've laid out how John's focus in 1 John 5, 1 to 5, in that overcoming the world. But I want to tell you there's one more step here that we need to focus on. One more step that brings us all alive and makes it real. So go back to the shoe analogy for, for me for a moment. If you've gone into a shoe store and bought a pair of shoes, I'm guessing we all probably have it one time or another, okay? Most recently, yesterday with me and my son. Not the best English, but you get what I'm saying. So he and I went to Big Five, and I got him a pair of shoes. Now, being make sure I did this right, because mom's not with us, I didn't want to mess up the purchase. So 
what do you think after Emerson picked out the shoes that he was getting, did with them? What was that? He tried them on. Hey, guess what? I wrote that in my notes. Before you purchase and walk out the door with a pair of shoes, you try them on to make sure that they fit. If you order them online and have them shipped to your house or whatever, you're still going to try them on to see that they work before you go, okay, I'll keep them. In other words, you understand what the shoes are made for. They're not meant to stay in the box. They're not meant to stay on the shelf. You're actually to wear them. Whatever the shoe is made to do, whether it's walking shoe, running shoe, hiking shoe, uh, golf shoe, dress shoe, you understand that there's a purpose for what they were made for. That they're made to be worn. <laughs> they're made to be used. So the next step to wear the shoe is to put the shoe on. After all, the shoe, what? If the shoe fits, oh, so you know that. I wrote that down too. Similarly, here's the point. To experience victory in overcoming the world, you'll need to exercise your faith. You'll have to wear faith. You'll have to put on faith. You'll have to utilize faith. Because we can have a concept of going, I know what it means to be born of God. I saw some Greek stuff. That was interesting. Well, kind of, uh, and I understand what this idea of loving God loving his children, obeying his commandments, that they're not burdensome, and I give some reasons why. I can have a head knowledge about this, but to actually live this out is going to require faith. 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God and overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Not, I thought about doing that. No, it's actually lived out. It's actually carried out. You see, in other words, as one's born of God, victory fits you. So wear that. Wear your faith. Think of it this way. Do you want to overcome the world? If that's the question I asked, is this what you want to do? Is that what John is instructing us to do? How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, Psalm 31, 14 says, I trust, there's our faith in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Psalm 37, 4 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. There's the faith. And he will act. Psalm 40, verse 4 says, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust who wears faith. Psalm 56, 11 says, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And Psalm 115, 11 says, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help. He is your shield. I might add basically from what John is saying here, he is your victory when you're born of God. So as you walk in here today and you're sitting here, I don't know where you're coming from or what's ahead of for you for the week or what you're thinking or wondering. But I thought of some questions that came to my mind. How can I overcome evil with good? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome habitual sin? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome peer pressure? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome a feeling of spiritual emptiness? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome the pain of betrayal? By turning to Christ, trusting Christ, looking to Christ to help you with that. 
How can I overcome demonic strongholds? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome the pain of past abuse? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome temptation? Through faith in Christ and what his word tells me. How can I overcome the fear of witnessing? Of taking out this card, this invite card, and sharing it with somebody. To invite them to come at Easter. Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome the fear of disappointment in my life? Through faith in Christ. How can I overcome the fear of death? You're going to have to wear faith. You're going to have to trust Christ. How can I overcome? Will you fill in the blank? You already know the answer. This is our faith. This is where our overcoming happens. This is where our victory happens. As 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is it the one that overcomes the world except the one who believes? There's the faith that Jesus is the Son of God who trusts him for the victory to overcome whatever we're facing the question is, is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you do, then you are born of God. And if you're born of God, then you're empowered. You're enabled. It fits for you to overcome the world. You can wear that and go forward and step forward in life. So let me close with this. As I was processing this, I had to stop and think, man, Okay, do I, do, I, do I really get today what Christ has done for me? Do I get that he empowers me the way he does? Do I get that he enables me to know victory that overcomes the world? Do I grasp this? I want you to check out this video clip and I'm gonna read a passage of scripture and we'll be done. But I want you to look at this with this idea of overcoming whatever is before you through faith in Christ. Watch this video.
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, may we realize what you've done for us. God, you saved us as our faith is placed in your work, not ours. That it's complete. It's forever. God, you're the one who does the saving. You're recipients of your grace and of your love to be able to know you personally. God, may that be reflected as you live out our lives by our love for you, our love for others, and obedience to your word. Knowing that your word is not burdensome. Knowing, God, that we're going to have to trust you every step of the way. But God, you intended for us to overcome the world, this world system, this world that we live in. You intended us to know victory, to know Nike, to know Nike, to be victorious. So God, I pray for each person here today that they'd be reminded, they'd be encouraged of what you've laid out for us to live in this life through relationship with you by faith that involves and will culminate in overcoming the world. In Jesus' name, amen.